Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello and welcome to Out With Dan. I'm so excited to be chatting with my buddy, Allison Cochran, about her new book, Kiss Her Once For Me. Welcome, Allison. Hi, thank you. It's so good to see you again, and I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to see you again. I, as I've told you before, I simply love your work. It is it is so touching. You have such a conversational way about writing. So when I'm reading it, I feel as if I'm a character in your story because it's so conversational. Is that easy for you to do? Um, I have never had anyone say that about my writing before, and I have never thought, so that's unintentional. I think that is just, <laughs> I guess, um, an inherent thing about the way that I write. Um, but I like it. That sounds well, I, nice. Um, well, I like it as well. I, I find that I often invest in things I read. I'm a slow reader. Uh, because I like to invest in it. But occasionally you come across an author who sort of makes you feel like you're another character in the book and you're not eavesdropping, but you're sort of participating. And so that was one of the things that I love about your writing. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Are you a snow person? Do you like snow? Oh, I love snow. Um, and I feel bad because like, in the book, uh, Ellie loves snow, but she's from Ohio. And I don't really know if people from Ohio love snow in the way that people from the Pacific Northwest do, but I was like, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, I love the snow because it's really rare, like here. We don't get it that often. Um, and the world like totally shuts down when it snows, which of course like is horrible for a lot of people and I feel bad. Um, but for me, generally speaking, especially like as a teacher, um, and then now I'm self-employed, like, it's just nice. Like, you just have an excuse to uh, to be cozy, and it always looks so pretty, and yeah. It does. It, Big to me, it, yeah, me too. It, to me, it's one of the most beautiful sights, because it, especially when it has just snowed, it seems so pure, and I like mm -hmm. that, because I also feel like that is something that figures into your book. Obviously, snow plays a big factor in your book, but there's there's a purity about it and an honesty that seems to be interwoven with the snow and your characters, something that I liked a lot. That one I did on purpose. That, <laughs> one I, that was intentional. Good. Uh, totally. Yeah. Approved. Excellent. <laughs> one thing I've noticed also is that you have an enormous amount of queer representation across the spectrum. Is that something that you set out to intentionally do? Um, I mean, yes, insofar as, like, I prefer writing books where most of the characters are queer, um, because most of my life I read books where everyone was straight, um, to the point that I, I didn't really see queerness as an option in my life, um, or a lens through which to, to view myself. So I, I like writing books where most of the main characters are queer, and I just think, by nature of queerness, like it is diverse and expansive. And so it makes sense to me that, um, you know, as a, as a lesbian, my best friend is bisexual, right? And I have, I have other friends who are lesbians, but I have friends who are non-binary and I have friends who are 
pansexual or still figuring it out, you, you know, in their thirties. And so, um, I, I don't know, that just feels like life to me, um, in the experiences that I've had. I totally agree. And I, I find that as I'm reading different authors, uh, different genres, uh, some romance, some crime, what have you, that we have representation, it gives us a feeling of community. And it is, I can easily read any novel that have total heterosexual characters. It's not a problem because it's we see that in life, but it is so wonderful to see ourselves represented in other people's work because then we really do get to be included. Yeah. And that's how I feel when I read, especially queer romance for me. And so, um, yeah, if other people can feel that when I write a book, then that's amazing. Well, and congratulations on publication day. I mean, this is fantastic. Yeah. Book number three. <laughs> Give us a setup of what Kisser Wants For Me is about. Ooh, okay. Um, I wish I could say that I have my like polished elevator speech just like ready to go, but I'm still working on it. Um, but Kisser Wants For Me is a sapphic holiday romance that's set in Portland. And it's about a bisexual um, artist who is going through a bit of a quarter life crisis um, and is a little bit directionless and stagnant. And so she agrees to a ridiculous rom-com scheme um, to get engaged and then married uh, to the, the landlord of the coffee shop where she works uh, in exchange for, he needs to get married to access his inheritance. Of course, like it happens in real life all the time. Um, and she agrees <laughs> to go along with it in exchange for some of his inheritance uh, only to go to spend Christmas with his parents um, at their cabin uh, to kind of maintain the ruse and then discovers that um, his sister is someone she knows from the past. Um, and so it's a, a love story between between Ellie, the main character, and um, and the sister. And, um, and it has uh, sort of dual timelines. So the book is interwoven with flashbacks to how Ellie and Jack um, knew each other before. I love that. One thing that happened so wonderfully in the flashbacks were we got little bits of information as the book progresses. We weren't, um, the reader isn't hit over the head with the information all at once. We discovered the information as Ellie is sharing it. And it comes at such a, an easy pace for the reader. And it's it's wonderful because it's like a flower that blossoms. I mean, rom-coms are that. It's a blossoming of a flower. It has a rainy day. And then of course, at the end, we better get a happy ending or else I'm yep. going to be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's the nature of a rom-com. But we discover along the way things of Ellie's past. But we also discover realness in the characters in the fact that each person on this earth comes with baggage. We come with lots of wonderful things. Discovering that baggage and what it means to us and why we carry it positively or negatively is something that every character in this book goes through at some point, except maybe the grandmas, which of course are my two <laughs> favorite. We'll get back to them. They're, in a minute. They're fine. <laughs> it's just, but we discover the humanity of these characters. And we see that while Ellie believes that she is a total disaster and a mess, 
that she may not be the only one. And I liked that. So without, well, I'm going to ask this because I think, and you can, you just shoot it down. So do you identify with one of them more than the others or are all of these part of you or? Uh, well, I'm definitely narcissistic. And so I feel like every character I write has like a little bit of me. I feel like if I don't put some aspect of myself into a character, it becomes really challenging for me to like fully like unlock them. And so I might give them like one really small thing. Um, so like side characters in the story, like Andrew and Dylan, um, they have like tiny bits of me that kind of help me connect to them. Um, but between Jack and Ellie, the, the two main characters, like I'm definitely Ellie. Um, like that's unabashedly, like I didn't even, I was like, I don't know. I think she can be tall and pale and have glasses and dark hair. Who cares? Like everyone will know it's me. It's fine. Um, and so, yeah, definitely. I identify with, um, with the character who, who is an artist and who is in the book kind of terrified of failing and not really sure of the direction that her life is taking because it's, um, there's been an unexpected turn that she couldn't plan for. An old girlfriend of mine used to say, uh, and I think this is sort of indicative of Ellie, that you have that little, I screwed up monster on the top of your head, <laughs> that voice that just goes and goes and goes. And I find for myself that that is something that I go through on a daily basis. So I certainly identified with Ellie. Um, just the conversation that we have. I don't know if everyone has those conversations, Allison. I think maybe some people never have those conversations. I have LA's conversations to some degree every day in my life. And that's, it's interesting to see that on paper. You know, it's messy and um, self-doubting is something a lot of us deal with. And then of course she also has some wonderful redeeming qualities. So I don't want to paint her as somebody that's just poor old Ellie. She has some poor Ellie moments, but she certainly is, she discovers a lot of her strength. And that was a beautiful thing as well. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that, that came across in the story. Good. The um so I live in Los Angeles and I have to say the whole family chalet thing or family <laughs> cabin thing was so funny to me because I have clients that live in mansions and they call them cottages and I'm like in what world is this a cottage? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it, but it, I love I love the settings in this, the extremes, the airstream and the big uh, ski chalet that they call mm -hmm. a cabin and stuff like that. Tell us about the grandmas. Ooh, what do you want to hear about them? I I so number one, I love them, and I do need to know that they're going to have their own book. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I would write that absolutely. Um, I. Love them. They they brought such I don't well a comic relief in a lot of ways. They brought something that was so fun, and they're probably not so far apart in age than I am. So I'm like, I see some of my friends in the grandmas for sure. They were loving and fun and a strange dynamic. So tell us about who they are as far as family dynamic wise. Yeah. So in the story, um, Andrew is the the guy that she decides to fake this engagement with. Um, and his family is very wealthy, uh, which is why they own a gigantic quote unquote cabin on Mount Hood, um, which is just outside of Portland. And um, 
they go to spend the the time with his family to kind of maintain this ruse that like he needs his family to think that he has like fallen in love and he is going to get married um, so that he can access the the money that his grandpa left for him. Um, and when they get there, uh, it's the first people they meet actually are the the grandmas, and the grandmas are his his deceased grandfather's two wives. Um, so so the first wife is the one who is like his. Uh, paternal grandmother and then the other one is like his step grandmother um but like incidentally they are incredibly close friends um and so they uh yeah instead of like being antagonistic towards each other they're just like two like octogenarians who enjoy like drinking together and hanging out um because they both kind of had to suffer marriage to a pretty like terrible person um yeah yeah i love it I, I i love the fact that andrew describes uh Mima as boozy and <laughs> and then when they get there ellie says under her breath i totally get why he thinks she's boozy you know <laughs> yeah i love a boozy grandma like i love like i mean i think i i like older women um and i think these like they serve this part of kind of being like they're beyond caring about what other people think. They're beyond like trying to live by anybody else's ideas of what their life should be. Like they can do whatever they want because they are 82. Um, so if they want to like day drink, like they're just going to do it. And like, they're not going to explain themselves. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, um, it's like fun to play around with that, that total liberation. And then to also have them kind of provide guidance. Um, yes that that is an okay way to live your life even when you are 25 which is which is ellie's age um and so yeah so that was kind of the fun part of the grandmas and then i also um my grandma uh, I, I have two grandmas one is still still living um though she has dementia but my my other grandma passed away um mm -hmm. while i was writing this book um after a, a very long experience with alzheimer's mm -hmm. um and she was just like one of the most important people in my life and just was all like she was a real hoot um and a real spitfire and i just like love her so much and so um writing about grandma characters was like yeah like why not that will be my my homage to to my grandma i love that that is so sweet it's um it's that's a, that must be a a a rewarding thing i'm looking for my words there a rewarding thing for an author because as an author, you can do with characters as you want. You can make an homage, you can make someone, you can write a praise piece to them, or you can also get out that part of you that <laughs> if, may, maybe the frustration with Lynn's, LA's mom, mm -hmm. who is a few people I know in my life. And uh, so yeah. it's like, because Ellie comes from a family that is not loving and nurturing. And I do believe that that, of course, gives her character some of her quirks because you can't come from that kind of environment and not have baggage with you. And then Andrew's family or Jack's family seems to be so level, but then we see that the levelness is not always exactly what it appears on the surface. And I think that's a wonderful tie-in to those two. Yeah, and I think like for Ellie, of course, seeing the the Kim Prescott family, they seem really perfect, right? Like, um, and they they are, I think, 
I really wanted to write a family that was also genuinely loving, like even if they didn't always do that perfectly, um, because I mean, I'm sure all of us have those moments with our parents where they don't support us in the way that we need to be supported, um, but that it always is coming from a place of, of genuine, unconditional love. Um, but yeah, no, with Lynn's like, uh, just to be very clear, nothing like my own mother. I have an incredible, <laughs> amazing, nurturing mom. I, I truly believe she's like the greatest human, um, just like in the world. I love my mom so much. Um, but Lynn's is, uh, yeah, other, other people in my life. Um, and kind of looking at, yeah, at that dynamic and what happens when like, you don't ever feel safe because love wasn't guaranteed when you were growing up. And so everything feels unstable all the time. Um, and that's how things are for, for Ellie in the book. Well, I can say that you have written uh, yet a second novel that is just simply full of love and enlightenment. It is such a delicious read. I cannot recommend it enough. It is, it's going to do gangbusters. It just <laughs> must. <laughs> so do you have a uh, social media or a website that you'd like to share? Yeah, um, people can find me um, at my website, which is just alisoncochran.com. Um, and my website is like sort of professional-ish. Uh, and then, I mean, it's like a Squarespace that someone else had to make for me because I don't know how to use Squarespace. Um, <laughs> and then I am mostly on Instagram. So you can find me just at Allison Cochran. Um, and then I sometimes exist on Twitter, uh, also at, at Allison Cochran. Well, and I will tell for our listeners that honestly, Allison has the best Instagram. She's very, <laughs> she promotes her friends. She lifts them up. And then I got to watch you take your trip through Portugal, which was lovely. I enjoyed every minute of your excruciating walk. And uh, <laughs> people need to go back and find that. It was wonderful. I know. I only, I did not actually create, uh, I didn't save a lot of those stories. So that was a mistake. But yes, I went to Portugal and walked many, many miles. Um, and like my foot still hasn't healed. So um, oh. yeah, lost a toenail. It was a whole, but it's, you know, I still like if anyone out there has ever considered doing the Camino de Santiago, like it was the greatest experience of my life. And I strongly recommend it. Even when I lost a toenail. I, I love it. And we can just paint one back on. Don't worry about it. Or yeah, it's fine. It's like coming. There's like growth happening. It'll be okay. It'll be wonderful. Allison, once again, thank you so much for joining me. I know this is going to be so successful. It's Kiss Her Once for Me, and it comes out today. I'm so excited for you, and I wish thank you all you so the best. Much. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.